Well, good morning, church. I miss you, Gail and I miss you. And uh, this morning, as uh, we were getting ready here in the worship center, largely empty worship center, uh, many of your names and faces uh, came scroll through my mind, and, and I felt such tenderness towards you. I, I feel such tenderness. God has given me uh, uh, just a deep love for you, and I feel an incredible tenderness um, for each one of you. Uh, Personal note before I get started, two weeks ago, Gail and I celebrated our 40th anniversary, and some of you know our story that uh, we had a, a rough start. In fact, our, our very first date, we went to see the original movie, Rocky, and uh, we felt that was prophetic uh, later of our courtship and our marriage. In fact, we, we did not have a real turnaround breakthrough in our marriage till the 13th year in. So if you've been having some uh, challenging times, also take encouragement, take hope, because uh, God has done uh, just a, given us a real gift and just feeling so close to one another. I love my wife. And uh, so take heart and encourage, be encouraged, those of you who have struggled in marriage at times or who would love to have a marriage one day. May God grant that for you. We're spending a few weeks in the Psalms, sort of a summer break, a change of pace from the book of Acts. And this week we come to Psalm 34, a psalm written when David was younger in his life. He's not yet king, and he is fleeing for his life from King Saul, who's jealous. And this psalm contains some of the richer lines in the book of Psalms. In fact, uh, I thought I would go through the psalm in one week, but uh, as I got into this week, this week, I realized it's going to take two weeks, so I'm going to do part of the psalm this week and part of it next week. And, and by the way, that song that the team just led us in was from Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is a song in itself, as all the psalms are. That's what the word means, songs. This psalm is called an acrostic psalm. There's a handful of these. Acrostic psalm means that every line, every, every verse begins with a new letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So in English, it would be A, B, C, D. The first four verses in Hebrew, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, that's what the start. So there's a poetic um, feel for the Hebrew readers. Now, the flow or structure of this psalm would, would be something like this. Verses 1 through 3, we have praise. Verses 4 through 6, I think we have this on a PowerPoint. Verses 1 through 3, we have praise. Verses 4 through 6, we have prayer. Verses 7 through 14, we have fear of the Lord. And verses 15 through 18, we have prayer and verses 19 through 22, suffering. So maybe we didn't have that on PowerPoint. But uh, in that structure, we're going to begin with praise, then we're going to go to prayer, and, and then uh, verses 7 through 14 on the fear of the Lord, that, that may well be the most important section on what it means to fear God in all the Bible. And we'll, we'll come to that next week. Uh, we come again to prayer in 15th to 18th, so we're going to bring that up for this week. 
We'll, we'll cover that too, and then suffering, and that'll be next week. So, despite these circumstances, these dire circumstances, David begins with praise and worship, and we're going to carefully look at these three verses. So, if you've got your Bibles with, with you or your iPhone or your iPad or your computer or something, would you please turn to Psalm 34, and I'm going to read the passage for today, which will be the first six verses and then 15 through 18, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Then down in 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This is God's Word, church. This is God's Word. The psalm begins with a superscription or a preface in verse 1. I did not read it, but these superscriptions in the inspired text, they're part of the Hebrew manuscripts. They're part of the Bible. They're inspired. The superscription said of David, so we know that David wrote this one. We don't know the author of all of them. When he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. Now, that is a little bit obscure, but... Uh, it gives us enough to know that this is a reference to, to 1 Samuel 21. David is fleeing from King Saul, and he crosses the border out of Israel so King Saul won't follow him, and he goes into the land of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines, you recall, are the age-old enemies of the, of the Israelites. Uh, Goliath, the giant Goliath, was a Philistine, and David killed him. So, you know, these are the enemies that David has defeated as a young man. And so in his terror, he flees across to the Philistines. And when they begin talking about, this is David, we got to kill David. I mean, he's an enemy. David uh, did something most unusual. He pretended to be insane. Yeah. And, and the king chooses just, hey, well, this crazy guy, we don't have to worry about him. Let him go. Let him go. And, and so David is able to flee. And uh, in the aftermath of God rescuing David, first from King Saul and then from the king of the Philistines, David uh, composes 
uh, inspired by the Spirit, David writes this psalm, which we still sing today, and it is the Word of God for us. Now, keep in mind that this was a desperate time for David. I mean, uh, he is, uh, people want him dead. Now, we know desperate times. Uh, we're in a desperate time. Maybe it's, it's different than David's. Nobody is hopefully trying to murder us, but still, we, we've got desperate times. And, and this psalm is going to show you and me how the people of God live in desperate times. And we need to know that. How, how, do, how do the people of God respond to desperate crises? Well, in verses 1 through 3, David's going to begin with an outburst of praise. And embedded in these three verses will be three principles, vital principles about praise. Let's look at them. Number one, the first principle, begin your prayer with praise. Now, that's what David is going to do in this psalm. And there's a lot of desperateness in this psalm. But he's going to begin with praise because God is the hero of this story. God is worthy of our worship. We have been worshiping this morning. We began this morning with praise. Now, whenever we praise God, there are at least six things that happen, six benefits. Can I briefly recount them? First of all, when we begin with praise, it puts everything in perspective. When we praise God, it lifts our eyes from our problems to our God. And we see that God is so much bigger. It right-sizes our problems. Now, right now, all of us have some shared problems. Besides all of the problems we have individually, which are plenty. But, but we've got the COVID crisis. We've got um, racial tension. We've got um, economic collapse and hardship. We've got lockdown and loneliness and social distancing and face masks. We have political polarization. And then put on top of that, pressing personal challenges and needs. But when you and I lift our praise to God, it, we gain perspective on our problems. Not because we minimize our problem, but because we magnify our God. He is so much bigger. God is bigger than your problems. God is bigger than your fears. God is the sovereign, infinite, eternal God of all glory. And with everything that is going on right now, church, God is bigger than this. He is. Secondly, when we begin with praise, it not only gives us perspective on our problems, but it transforms our image and view of God. And, and I look at this in many ways, as the most foundational benefit, result of worship. When we focus on God and our heart engages, I'm not talking about our minds, I'm not talking about our brains, but our heart engages, then something magical happens. And of course, I mean something God-like happens. Something's right. God changes our image and view of Him. He clarifies the greatness and the glory of God. And God begins to change us. Thirdly, when we begin with praise, God pours out his presence upon us. Church, do you know that when you praise, God shows up in a special way? Psalm 22 says God inhabits the praises 
of his people. God shows up. Fourthly, when we praise God, he pours out peace in our hearts. Now, there's just something about praising God, worshiping God, focusing on God, calling out to God, that God pours out his peace upon our soul. You know, those of us who have known and struggled with anxiety, with depression, with mental stuff, we know the power of worship and praise. Begin singing to the Lord and worshiping him. Fifthly, when we begin with praise, God pours out protection upon us and the demons flee. Now, this is the opposite of the presence of God. In fact, it's a corollary of the presence of God. When we praise, God shows up, demons flee. They're not going to stand around when we are worshiping the Lord. Demons flee. Finally, when we begin with praise, our faith deepens and it grows and, and we remind ourselves that God's got this. Now, church, those are six big things, aren't they? I mean, we, we, no, no wonder David is saying, I will praise the Lord at all times because this is big, the power of worship. Now, I don't want us to be legalistic about this. Sometimes you will begin, you'll start praying, and you're going to go right to intercession or right to thanksgiving or right to to confession. But as a rule of thumb, church, could I urge you, could I encourage you, make it your practice to begin your prayer with praise. Several hours ago, I I got here at the office early, about 4.30, and this is what I do. After, you know, coming in, kind of getting the coffee started, I... um, Early on, well, right away, I'm going to begin with praise. And, and, and my practice for some weeks has been this. I will take out my iPad, one of my two iPads, and, and I will go to the YouTube icon, and then I'll hit the microphone icon of that, and I will say into it, Come Thou Fount by Shane and Shane. And Shane and Shane and their small musical group in this particular recording And I go hard after the Lord. We sing with all our hearts. And I'm the only one in the building. And God likes my voice. And we sing, come thou fount of every blessing. And we get to that part where he says, above all else I adore your name. And we begin with praise. And then after that song, I might sing a little bit more. I'll begin just declaring God's praise. God, you are the sovereign, holy, infinite, perfect God. And I will for sure include, Lord, thank you for the cross of Jesus. And thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. And I'll be thankful for the grace of God. And I will go on giving praise and thanksgiving for a time with the Lord. I'll read a passage that exalts the Lord. It's a praise passage. Uh, Every day I particularly give thanks for two things that just mean so much to me. I will thank God for his sovereign electing grace in my life because I know that I would be lost forever apart from his sovereign electing grace in my life. And I thank him also, especially for the healing from mental disease that he's brought in my life. That's meant so much to me. But I'll thank him for a lot of things. Begin your prayer with praise. We see that 
all through the Scriptures. This is what God's people have done. They begin with praise. We do that on Sunday mornings. We do that on Wednesday nights. I do that in my time alone with the Lord. As a general principle, begin with praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Okay, second principle about worship and praise. Two, worship God together. That's what he says in verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, if we want to become intimates of the Lord, we need this unhurried time alone with the Lord, but we need more. We need time together with God's people. If God is going to pour out his presence and his peace and his protection upon us, when we seek his face in personal prayer, how much more is this going to happen when we gather together with God's people and God is doing it for all of us? Now, in a special way, God shows up when his people gather together. That's what Jesus taught us in Matthew 18. When two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. It's like uh, logs on the fire. If you want them to burn brightly, you put them together. You don't spread them apart. We're like that. That's how God has made us relational beings. This is just God's way. Now, it feels a little bit odd to be teaching this during this time of isolation and social distancing. Um, one of the hardest things about this time, COVID crisis, for many of us believers is, is that we cannot gather together as the church, which the people of God have always done down for centuries, for millennia. We thank God for technology that we can all digitally gather together, but it's not the same as flesh and blood Hugs and handshakes gathering together with God's people and seeking the face of God. So, church, I remind you, after this COVID crisis is over, make it your priority to gather together weekly with God's people. This is what the people of God have always done throughout the Bible and down through history. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, Hebrews 10, 25. All righty, we've seen two principles about praise. First of all, begin your prayer with praise. Secondly, worship God together. Now the third final principle. Number three, worship God at all times. Now we see that in the very first verse when David begins this way. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He states it twice, two different ways. Worship God at all times. That means in every circumstance, every situation, good and bad, lift your praise to God. If you're in a tough situation, start praising God. Any challenge, any difficulty, any problem, any fear, whatever it is, begin praising God. I mean, think about David. I mean, uh, it, we got it bad right now, but David has uh, people wanting him dead, chasing him. No reason at all. Completely innocent. And he's fleeing for his life. And how does he respond? I will bless the Lord at all times. That's what the people of God do. That's how they respond to crisis. If you received bad news at work, if you were laid off, if you received a tough diagnosis about you or a family member, whatever it is, 
then bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. I know that that, that doesn't that seems that's just not normal. But 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 who said Christians are to be normal? We're to be biblical, not normal. Not worldly, but godly. Does not 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 say to us, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Does not Ephesians 5, 20 say that we should give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 4, written while Paul is in prison, unjustly, he says, he exhorts the believers in Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Why is it important that we rejoice, give thanks, praise God in all circumstances? Because it underscores that we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over the circumstances. He's bigger than the circumstances. He can take care of the circumstances. He will see us through the circumstances. The last uh, two or three weeks, um, are are you guys getting really kind of tired of this COVID stuff? Uh, I am. I'm I'm getting weary of it. And and all the other stuff going on. I mean, there's plenty of of division and hostility and and the face mask and, and the... I mean, we need to do those things, but aren't you getting tired of this season of life, this period? And the hardest thing is we don't know when it's going to be. If they just tell us, you know, September 1 is it, you know, be great. But nobody knows. God knows. This is what God's been saying to me. One of the things God's been saying to me, Jeff, um, give thanks during this season. Um, I'm going to redeem it. I'm bringing good out of it. Just wait on me, Jeff. Just wait on me. Just be patient. And so, church, I I feel for you because this is not that fun. Um, But but, but God is at work. God is at work. And and, and we can give. Have you given thanks to God for this time? David did. I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you do not know the Lord, uh, this, you, know, you miss out all the blessings of God come in Jesus Christ. So if you're listening to me now and you have never put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, do it now. Do it now. Just breathe a prayer. Jesus, come and save me. And he will. And he's at work in you. And he will bring good for you. He will rescue you. So these are the three principles about praise that this, um, the the dire, desperate circumstances that David begins with. What what is God saying to you this morning as we look at his word? What's he saying to you about begin with praise? What's he saying to you about worship the Lord with God's people together? What's he saying to you about worship God at all times? Respond to him. We don't want to be hearers of God's word. We want to be doers. Respond to him. Church, at this point, there is a pivot in the song. David pivots, and he goes from praise to prayer, desperate prayer. Now he is looking back 
when he's in the midst of the crisis and he's so desperate, his life is on the line and, and, and you hear the desperateness in his voice. For example, in verse 4, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Or verse 5, those who look to him, uh, that means those who trust him, who call out to him, who, who uh, pray to him. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces should never be ashamed. I, I mean, it's like this, uh, you, you, you light up with joy because of the presence of God. And even in a desperate time, David says, uh, radiant. Or verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Desperate, desperate. Down in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. Now, by the way, the, the word righteous, particularly in the Old Testament, many times in the New Testament, refers to those who are right with God. Not those who are perfect. That's none of us. Only Jesus. But if you're in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted him, you are right with God, righteous. Okay, this is what God says about you. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Verse 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That's just beautiful. That's just beautiful. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You ever been crushed in spirit? I have. Oh, God is near to those. Let's just pause. Let's just watch a brief video story about a woman in our church, a time of desperate prayer and what the prayer meant. In 2017, you were diagnosed with stage three sarcoma cancer. Being young and newly married at that point in your life, there must have been a lot of uncertainty and fear surrounding your diagnosis. Due to the rarity of the disease, it was actually recommended that we pack up our lives from Colorado and head down to Texas to an amazing cancer center in Houston for me to have treatment. And so within one week, our world turned upside down and we were in a new area with a new diagnosis with a lot of uncertainties. So what role did prayer play in your life during all this? Prayer was everything. And the verse that God really led us to was Romans 12, 12, which is be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Affliction in the sentence is surrounded with hope and with prayer. And so we knew going into this season that we would be surrounding the suffering, the uncertainties, and the struggles that were up ahead with hope in the Lord and prayer with the Lord. Now that God has brought healing into your life and you're cancer free, how has your relationship with Jesus been impacted by this experience? Whenever I became cancer free, it was the only time that I asked the question of why. Why do I get to be cancer free when other people are still struggling or why others have lost people that they loved? And instead of getting wrapped and consumed in that question, 
the Lord really revealed to me as to what are you going to do with this life that I have given you. Come alongside and love people who are going through their journeys because God called us to love God and to love people and that is the greatest commandment of all and that is really what he has put on my heart. Thank you, Nicole, for taking time to share your story with us and to remind us that even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances that God listens, God hears our prayers when we cry out, and that he's He's faithful to see us through it. Thank you so much for taking time with us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you, Nicole. Just briefly, four quick principles on prayer, desperate prayer from this this little section. Number one, prayer is one way that we seek the Lord. If you were with us last week in Psalm 27, we come to that magnificent verse where it says, where God says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek? Well, how do we seek the Lord? We seek the Lord by prayer, by calling out to him. You see that in verse four. I sought the Lord. That's the same word as in Psalm 27, eight. Except past tense, I, I put in the present tense, I seek the Lord and he answered me. When you call out to God, you are seeking the Lord. You're seeking the Lord. Number two, prayer is one way that we express humility. When we call out to God, we are humbling ourselves because we admit we need help, that we are desperate, that we need God, that we are not sufficient. By contrast, Self-reliance is pride. Now, you see that in verse 6. You see it several times, really, but verse 6, you see it when David refers to himself, this poor man cried, and that uh, word poor man uh, does not refer here to financial poverty. It is a word used often in the Psalms, often by David, often when he is the king, the very wealthy king. He refers to himself as this poor man, and he means not financial poverty, but spiritual poverty. He's saying, I'm desperate for you, oh God. I need you. Is that the way you feel? Desperate people pray. Humble people pray. Weak people pray. Leonard Ravenhill put it this way. The self-sufficient do not pray. The self-satisfied will not pray. The self-righteous cannot pray. Just leave that quote up for a moment. Look at it. If you do not pray much, ask yourself, why not? Why not? And look at those three traits. This poor man cried. God draws near to the humble in heart, and they call out to God. Prayer expresses humility. Or look at verse 18, this beautiful verse, one of the great lines in the Psalms. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. Now, who's the brokenhearted? Who's the crushed in spirit? Well, it's all those who are depressed, discouraged, lonely, hurting grieved, out of work, in physical pain, um, struggling in one way or the other, the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit, God is near to them. 
And as we humble ourselves, we call out to God. Number two, prayer is one way we express humility, and God draws near to the humble. Three, God is a prayer-hearing God, is He not? All through this passage, I don't know of another place in the Bible that has more repeated statements that God hears, God rescues, God delivers, God saves, God answers, God listens. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and He answered me. Verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him. Verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears Church, our God is a prayer-hearing God. Verse, I mean, principle four, God's eyes are ever upon us. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. Last night, about 7 p.m., there were 11 of us in our immediate family, kids and grandkids, who were around a dining room table. And uh, six adults, five kids, and it was loud. And there's a lot of talking going on at the same time and probably some music in the background and some other things. And at one point, Callie, our second daughter, who has a one-year-old Archie Thomas. In fact, I brought a picture of Archie. You know, you can't uh, you know, miss any opportunity to put a grandchild up there. So that is Archie. Okay, Archie is in his high chair, and Callie is here. And Callie is talking at the time. Uh, pretty animated. She's into it. And all of a sudden, she stops in mid-sentence and quickly, I didn't know she could move so quick, she quickly moved to Archie, who was over there coughing. Now, uh, all of us were in the room, but for the rest of us, Archie coughing was just background noise. But not for mom. Mom was attentive to his coughing, even though she was the one talking with some degree of fervor. Church, you have never called out to God when it was background noise. Never. Every time you have ever called out to God, He is attentive to your cry. He, he, his face rivets upon you. God listens to your prayer. The sovereign, infinite, holy God is Papa. So, earlier we saw three things about worship. We saw begin with worship. We saw worship God together with God's people. We saw worship God at all times. And now we see four principles about prayer. Prayer is one way we seek the Lord. Prayer is one way that we express humility. God is a prayer hearing God. God's eyes are ever upon us. Now, church, um, we, we don't preach God's word at Wood's Edge. We don't study God's word at Wood's Edge. Just uh, go through religious ritual. But God is looking for people like David, who are not just hearers of the Word of God, but are doers of the Word of God. What is God calling you to do this morning? Just close your eyes and just ask Him. 
Lord, may, maybe it's something about the worship. Maybe it's something about the prayer. But Lord, what, what, is, what is your spirit speaking to me about this morning? Lord, speak to us, we pray. Speak to me, oh God. We want to hear from you. Did God put something on your heart? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe you need to keep praying. But many of you, something came to mind. Some of you, it was, uh, you just don't pray much. And God pierced your heart with self-righteousness and self-satisfaction. Some of you have kind of opted out of gathering with God's people. And he's speaking to you that when we can, uh, this is going to be a priority for you. Some of you have heard the word of God again, that in everything, give thanks, give praise. I bless the Lord at all times. God, just put that on my heart afresh. Let's be doers, church. Let's be doers and not hearers. Some of you, for the first time, need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior because He died for your sin. And just right now, Jesus, come and save me. Jesus, come and save me. And He will. Amen. Amen.